With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's AEW Dynamite Review Show. We are going to talk about March 31st edition of AEW Dynamite, and we've got a whole lot to get into, including the end of the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars, Christian Cage debuts in-ring, and some incredible trios tag team action per usual whole bunch to get into and so much more thanks for choosing the unofficial wwe podcast today and let's not waste any more time Alright you guys, I hope you have all had a wonderful week, the end of March and the beginning of April today, as today is April 1st, 2021. My name is Mimi Burris, and like I said, we've got a whole bunch to get into, but before we get into Dynamite uh, that happened last night, I do want to talk to you guys real quick about uh, the end of, like I said, the quote-unquote Wednesday Night Wars. Uh, I think war is a inflated maybe word to use for what you want to call this considering it was more of a lashing by AEW I think you could probably count on your hands the number of times uh, NXT took the uh, took the waiting ratings win uh, in the like I said quote-unquote war but it sounds like 
NXT officially after WrestleMania is moving to Tuesday nights. I know there are, are a couple of other reasons why NXT was supposedly moving to Tuesday nights, but I think AEW deserves to be able to say that they won this, again, Wednesday Night War. Uh, kicked butt in the ratings, truly. So, exciting stuff. I think the real winners of this whole thing, though, are us, the fans, because I don't know about you guys watching that much uh, wrestling television, going back and forth from NXT and AEW, and I normally watch AEW first, and then going to NXT, I just go in with, like, already a sour mood, because I know I'm going to be let down in comparison and uh, it's a lot of wrestling to watch every week, guys. I mean, we've got Monday nights, Raw, Tuesday now, NXT, Wednesday, AEW, Thursday, if you guys watch Impact Wrestling, there's that. Friday night, we have SmackDown, you know, and then you've got your every now and then pay-per-views on the weekends. So it's it's a lot of wrestling, and I'm not complaining as a fan. ton of content to watch as a, uh analyzer and a critic, I guess. It can be it can be a little bit much because you guys know I do my highs and lows of the week every Sunday, Saturday, depending on what time I can get it. Uh, I record it on Saturday, but depending on what time I can get it to Matt. And so, I mean, to watch that much and be able to review, I only, if I included Impact, I do, I guess I include those shows as well, but I don't go seek them out and watch them unless I see something exciting has happened and, you know, nothing nothing seems to compare to what the, uh, the at least the, four main shows a week that I watch uh, produce every week. So just wanted to give you guys my quick input on all that exciting stuff. NXT over to Tuesday nights. And uh, I assume that'll be a ratings boost for both shows, but I still assume that uh, even so AEW will continue to draw more views and more ratings than NXT does. Just simply a better product, no hot shotting or at least way less hot shotting better storytelling, better long-term booking, um, and a little bit for everybody. And that is a perfect transition we've got into this beautiful buffet of a professional wrestling show we had uh, last night. I mean, there was something for everybody on this show. And if you can sit here and tell me you watched the show and you didn't like every single segment, I think you're sad. <laughs> I don't know. I guess I can't think of a word. I think that's sad. I think there was something for everybody on this show. And for me, I pretty much loved all of it. I mean, I had a couple issues here and there with a thing or, or, or two, but we will get into that, like I said. And per usual, we're going to start at the top of the card here. And what a way to start off this show other than Christian Cage debut match in ring against Frankie Kazarian. And this was something special. So I could talk about this match probably for an hour, you know, just dissecting all the little intri intricacies that were done throughout it so brilliantly. Um, as you can tell, I'm already super high on this match. I will say it wasn't the most exhilarating match ever. Um, and when I use the word exhilarating, I don't mean, I guess I don't use that as a synonym for exciting because this match was exciting. It just didn't have your typical big spots, you know, boom, boom, boom feeling, though we got plenty of that later on in the match. This was a classic clinic of professional wrestling. Uh, and when I say that, I don't necessarily, again, mean like grapples and this and that, like it's something you'd see like a Daniel Bryan or whatever do. But my, my point is, is this was so well done due to really one point and one point only, and that was the registering, the selling, and the drama. Uh, that these two guys created in that ring for the opening match here on Dynamite. 
real quick, I'll give you guys a short recap of we started off with a, a little bit of a, a collar, elbow tie-ups, you know, back and forth here and there. Kazarian dominated most of the beginning of the match. We did get to see Christian pull out some vintage Christian moves, uh, uppercut off the uh, off the turnbuckle, and then we did have we had that over the rope open hand slap. Uh, some just good, exciting stuff from Christian to see. Like he's still got it, uh, and fun, nostalgic stuff too. Uh, later on, Christian hits Kazarian with a uh, frog splash for a near fall. Um, Kazarian goes for a chicken wing uh, submission as he has gone for previously in the match. Uh, but Christian counters with the kill switch for the win. Uh, a bunch of other exciting spots in this match that I didn't mention. The leg drop, uh, the really well done chicken wing submission in the middle of the ring and the struggle for Christian to get back to the ropes. Just some great stuff throughout the whole match. But yes, Christian took the one, two, three as expected. But man, did he make you feel like he was going to lose his debut on AEW Dynamite. Uh, that's what made this so exciting. And so to dissect this really quick, why would, this was so well done. Uh, if you are a newer fan of wrestling and used to the, I don't want to call it like the this is just called the high spot formula. Let's put it like that. Um, this is probably not your forte uh, because this was slow and methodical and well done and took its time and allowed the commentators to tell the story while the two guys in the ring told the story. Um, it allowed the commentators to narrate the story. Let me put it that way. Uh, Christian, the selling was so well done. I, he kind of almost, almost, too far because he gave me like the edge vibes that I get sometimes not to make the comparison between the two but like I don't want to think of Christian I want to think of him as a veteran but I don't want to think of him as old and a, a good comparison I guess is the man who stood across from in the ring is Frankie Kazarian who doesn't look old I think obviously he's younger than Christian but doesn't look old but has a veteran feel to him and uh, and Christian had a like an old man feeling to him in some of this match, but nevertheless, I mean, then he does stuff like the frog splash and uh, and some of the counters he pulled in this match. Uh, you know, the quick way he slid uh, out from uh, or slid out of the way when Frankie Kazarian went into the corner, and he had uh, Kazarian go shoulder first into the uh, into the post, like little things like that. I was like, all right, this, this isn't just like an old man wrestling, but just brilliant stuff in regards to like the punches in the face man like I, I this is my biggest pet peeve in wrestling and if you've heard any of my podcasts I've probably talked about this once I can't stand when these guys get punched square in the face forearm or not I don't care what it is fist forearm whatever kicked in the face and they just just punch the other guy back like nothing just happened if you got punched in the face you'd feel that uh and Christian showed that and uh, and it exposes the business when you don't sell things like that. So, so well done. Um, the struggle in this match where Christian was like, hold, a lot of people maybe don't like this, but where he's holding onto the ropes there, like needs a breather. Um, Kazarian's kicking him while he's on the ropes and things like that. Like you see Christian struggling against this guy. So one, he's putting over Frankie Kazarian as a great wrestler, uh, you know, uh, that he's opposed to in the ring. And then two, 
you start to feel something for Christian and get behind him because you want him to get that burst back and you want him to hit the kill switch and you want him to get the one, two, three. Just little simple nuances like that were so beautifully and brilliantly done. And it's the thing is like selling the superplex. Like that's a big move, right? Sell That used to be Cowboy Bob Orton's finisher way back in the day. I, I might be dating myself or not correct on that, but... I'm almost positive. Like, things like that and, and, and selling the leg drop from Kazarian and kicking out at, like, right the last second. I even think the ref's count started to slow down throughout this match because he saw the pacing of the match and the counts are so fast nowadays. It is like, one, two, three. That is not three seconds, right? Like, I want to be thrilled. I want to wait and see that shoulder just get up by the, just get up before the ref's hand can go down for the three count. Little, little nuances like that were so well done in this match. And this was, like I said, it was a clinic on a, I don't want to say like an old-fashioned because that's not the right term. I think a lot of matches can take at least aspects of this match and apply it to them to make it better. Because a lot of AEW is already amazing. But just slowing down, giving enough time to tell the story between the two guys in the ring, and giving the commentators enough time to tell the story. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Slowing it down, selling each move, not just registering it. Because the more the wrestlers sell a move, the more I care about that particular move and the match as a whole. If someone punches someone in the face and they just punch them right back, I don't really believe that meant anything. But you saw the look in Christian's eyes when he would get hit by Kazarian like that. Makes me think, oh my god, is, is he okay? Like, did they, did they screw up? Did, did they f*** up? Like, like, that is so well done. And not to sleep on Frankie Kazarian here at all. This guy was not, uh, did not need to be led by the veteran Christian throughout the match. He carried his own. I mean, I think real MVP of this match was Kazarian. Just unbelievable as well. We talked about the struggle on the chicken wing submission. The frustration, the selling on his own part. Um, going for the move, th th that look in your eyes that says, what the heck do I have to do to put this guy away? All this stuff, absolutely brilliant. Could not be 
um, higher on this match. Uh, again, it was not your five-star classic by any means in today's standards, but if you look at uh, a more of a purist point of view, I think definitely four, four stars. Uh, unbelievably, unbelievably done. Uh, we're going to look back on this match, I guarantee, too, and see Christian came out the gates hot and not hot like um, you know, there were enough high spots in this match, like the Spanish Fly and the Frog Splash and stuff, but like, not hot like Ray Phoenix hot, right? Came out hot as in this guy is going to teach so many guys in the back how to slow down, right? Tell the story in the ring. It is not just moving from one move to the next move. I have such a problem with that. It is the continuation of the match as a whole, right? And if you sell the move that was done to you, the audience will feel the move that was done to you. If you only half sell it, we're only going to half feel it. And so, like I said, couldn't have higher uh, higher praise for this match. And uh, and then we move on to the next thing, which I don't think I will have as high praise to. But like I said, super well done. Great to see Christian in, uh, in AEW and already forgetting all of the hype let down of his signing I think he definitely lived up to uh to outworking everybody because he looked like he was in a lot of pain suffering struggling and still outworked uh Kazarian that night and got the win so all right moving on now because like I said I could talk about this match all night but we are going to talk about the next segment that was this weird Darby Allen thing to Matt Hardy I want to call it a promo but it was like a weird video package with Sting and Darby Allen um basically he tells Matt Hardy that Hardy would have had to earn his respect because his money didn't mean to him uh that would have been fine that would have been fine give give Darby Allen and Sting a little weird dark alley in the back and shoot him saying that I didn't get this this was like for for a something that just happened really last week to this week to have like such an intense thing like like this I get it Darby Allen's a filmmaker they think they're very artsy with this stuff but it just didn't it didn't hit for me it was weird awkward um didn't the this feud this blossoming feud if you want to call it that did not warrant um this it just didn't didn't warrant this whole big thing so Again, I was not so high on this, especially coming off the high of such a great match like that. I, I this, this did not work for me. Um, I get it. Like I said, Darby Allen thinks he's, you know, super artsy-fartsy. I'm sure Tony Khan and people in AEW also think that they're super artsy-fartsy with this stuff, but it just didn't make sense in the context. If they want to add this for a pay-per-view match or at least a match on Dynamite coming up in a couple weeks, fine. Few did not warrant it, um, and it, it's just not for me subjectively, I guess, as well. But uh, moving on down the line, up next we had the uh, highlights of Jade Cargill. Uh, just a quick little promo package. We're at the end of it. She says that you keep talking week after week because nobody can be me. Because I am that woman and I am that We're doing a lot of bleeping already in the show, I think. I think I've dropped a couple, whatever. Uh, anyway, anyways, it's not me, guys. It's Jade Cargill. So... A uh, cute little good promo. Nothing nothing new, nothing exciting. Again, I don't know. Hope next week we get to see another squash match. I want to see a, uh, Jade Cargill live wrestling again. I think it's, uh, I hope she's continuously working and it looks like she is on getting better. Um, the only thing I, again, I, I'm, I'm a little overzealous with this, but I worry sometimes that a lot of wrestlers that are trained like this specifically to be such a uh, to learn all these big moves and big power spots don't 
take the time to necessarily learn how to properly do what we were just talking for 20 minutes, it feels like, about like selling. And so hopefully Jade Cargill and Christian cross paths, and I think he could uh, show her a lot of, you know, in her eventual matches that aren't just going to be squash matches, how she can sell Big Show too, honestly. I think Big Show would be great for her as well. But how she can sell each move so she doesn't look like she's not, you know, this big giant of a woman, but she also, she's not impenetrable. Um, so yeah, good stuff. We're going to talk about her later on in the show again, and I it wasn't so high on the uh, the next thing that we're going to talk about her, but we're going to move on down to this exhibition match with special guest referee, the enforcer, Arn Anderson, uh, Cody Rhodes versus QT Marshall, and we will talk about the match first, and then of course we will get into the aftermath of the match, which was much more to the story than this this exhibition so this match led to itself or led itself to be exactly kind of what we what we would have expected I guess is that Cody was kind of veering the line of being cocky and confident and kind of a and then also not so and just like wanting to not hurt his friend so long story go away right the they go through the match Cody's mostly dominant in in a wrestling aspect of grappling and all this stuff and reversing and QT keeps getting angry about it slapping him yada yada uh and then uh later on in the match QT goes for a uh diving cross body on Cody but Cody ducks out of the way and QT rolls out of the ring uh Dustin Rhodes you know gives him like a little pat on the back like keep keep it up QT like very patronizing and then uh QT slaps Dustin's hands off of him Cody's again kind of being a little bit of a dick there and uh sits sits on the ring ropes has him uh I got I did it again guys all right I promise no no more cursing I'm not gonna promise that actually um I will do my best I don't know why today's just the day I guess um open the floodgates guys I opened the invisible door um anyways uh dust uh, Cody is sitting on the ropes kind of having waiting for QT to come back in the ring and then QT comes in, sucker punches Arn Anderson with a cheap shot, and then immediately right uh, leaves the ring, kind of has this look on his face like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? Cody goes, obviously, to go help Arn Anderson right away. And then the beatdown begins. So I forgot to mention all of the uh, Nightmare Family trainees are around the ring, obviously, which makes sense in the context of the match, right? Because you've got an exhibition how about you have all these trainees come and watch these two guys go at it? Maybe they can learn something. But the trainees turn on the teachers and uh, Lee Johnson. You got a powerbomb to Lee Johnson outside. You know, uh, Dustin Rhodes takes a pile driver on the steel steps. Whole melee brawl breaks out. Dustin bled, man. I mean, like, was really bleeding. Um, QT apparently is the mastermind behind this entire thing, which is a little concerning, and we will talk about that after this quick recap. But um, but yeah, and then they go to get Cody Rhodes. Oh, excuse me. QT hits Arn Anderson's arm on the outside on the on the guardrail, and then they go to get Cody Rhodes and essentially give him a concerto head to steel chair. Um, and then you have Red Velvet come out and make the save. What a brilliant move, by the way. And again, we'll talk about this a little bit more, but brilliant move to have red velvet come out um the trainees and qt walk off um he had a great uh punch by i forget his name um and i'll have to look it up but uh the great you know 
punched by this guy. What is his name? Let me look it up before I, I continue talking about this because it was like something a go-go, right? Again, I'm not familiar with the uh, with the Nightmare Factory. Um, oh, here we go. It was, uh, I, I did get it right. It was a go-go. Anthony a go-go. Um, I love that guy's got star power. I mean, the way he was rolling up his sleeves, he just looked like he was, he looked like he'd been doing this for a while. And I know he's already a trainee and I, it's a weird thing to say because we didn't really see any wrestling from him, but just, you can feel someone's presence in the ring and you know, and they've got that it factor. And, and this guy, I guarantee, you know, you can quote me now is going to, is going to be something in this company. Cause I, just something about his presence and the punch that he, that he laid into Cody right in the midsection. And then they go for the concerto, red velvet makes a save. And then, we have QT walking off with the trainees, and um, and before we get into the next segment, I will say this whole thing, brilliantly done, right? Uh, this segment in particular, let me put it simply, the, the, the match was a little bit funky with the idea of, of Cody is really, you know, going back and forth on this line of like babyface heel, tweener, but you love Cody so much that he's a babyface, but he's kind of really a a jerk. I'm going to use jerk this time so I don't have to edit myself more. It's going to take a while to go through all this. Um, yeah, it kind of looked like a jerk throughout this match, but then, of course, brilliant AEW booking. You get the sympathy right on the Rhodes family because, yeah, Cody Rhodes kind of deserves a slap in the face sometimes or like a, you know, shut the F up guy. Like, your 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 head's getting too big. You know what I mean? Like, just needs a little quick whipping to be like, you're, bring it down, a peg. You're not that great. He's got a, a big ego, at least as a character, and 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 deservingly so. Should have a lot of confidence, but I definitely needs to be taken down a peg every now and then. This though was taking that idea of oh, we need to take Cody down a peg every now and then, and bringing it up to a whole new level of insanity, and that's what makes a great turning point for heels because you've got something that's that's edged in truth, right? That Cody probably needs a good again like I said a slap in the face kick in the shin whatever like tone it down dude your head's getting too big again Judy was boring hello then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com it's my little escape now Judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy Judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Instead, though, they're psychotic and they take that into this giant thing of I'm going to slam his head between steel and steel. Um, and of course now, you know, Red Velvet, awesome baby face, um, Cody Rhodes, the Rhodes, the whole Nightmare Factory, besides obviously the trainees and QT Marshall, right, look like great sympathetic baby faces and you've got a clear heel baby face dynamic where I, I know there have been some complaints about Cody, like again, trailing that line. So whole segment overall, beautifully done. I love this. Uh, I could, I could do without we're gonna talk about later on you really only need one giant beatdown brawl segment in a show but whatever this was the the top one in the show for me and well done and uh the only downside is guys is I have a lot of faith in Cody Rhodes to to take this to next week and see where we go from here 
I don't know a lot about QT Marshall and I don't have a lot more faith in QT Marshall that he's going to be able to be a leader of a stable. I I have a feeling that with the pinnacle now and I know Team Taz is kind of dwindling, but as heel stables go, he's got a lot to live up to or or compared to and and I don't think he's going to be in any comparison to somebody like an MJF and I couldn't even tell you some of these trainees names I had to go look up a go-go so which is a fun name by the way a go-go but yeah so I'm not thrilled to see what the follow-up of this whole thing is going to be but I did think the segment itself was done super well and after this we had a quick promo from Scorpio Sky and uh, Ethan Page essentially saying the same thing that they're you know not given opportunities even though you know Scorpio Sky did just have a championship opportunity and lost just want to throw that out there uh and they're gonna go against the system or take on the system and show everybody what they're made of essentially we're promoting AEW Dark Elevation again whatever nothing much for me I would love to see more of Ethan Page I would like to see uh more of what he can do especially with that whole sound problem during that last match that he had on dynamite um so yeah i mean not not much to talk about this guys but you know tune in to aew dark elevation and you'll see they could just plug in that it's it is like 9.99 all over again guys no i'm kidding it's not nearly that bad but all right next next we have the dasha interview backstage with red velvet however she could not get a word out before jade cargill came in beat her down. Um, I watched this back a second time because I, I wasn't wasn't exactly sure if this was just my first take on this or not, or, you know, maybe I was just tired because I did watch this late last night. But I felt like this segment was rushed, and, and I didn't... It didn't... It required a little bit more time. I would have liked to hear a tiny bit more from Red Velvet. Um, but let, let me say this. Jade Cargill looks like a freaking beast, as she always does, and she essentially just yells at Red Velvet that I am that bleep and um and that's it so again i i have all great hopes for red velvet beautiful uh booking to put these side by side you know despite the weird promo of ethan page and scorpio sky but uh to have this side by side because you just had great baby face red velvet i thought for a minute i thought they might hit her man i know this is not um this is the 21st century but i mean i mean they had a straight chair shot to the head on cody so i i didn't put it past AEW here, and Red Velvet to take a bump, I mean. But so, yeah, Red Velvet looks like a, a courageous babyface hero, right? And then um, then you have her get beat up by Jade Cargill, which immediately puts heat on Jade Cargill. You've got heat on QT Marshall and co., and you've got um, great babyfaces in the Nightmare Factory, minus, again, like I said, QT Marshall and co., and uh, Red Velvet. So just really brilliantly well-segmented, done, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't know, put together, um, sequentially, very well done. So, all right, after that, guys, we had the John Moxley, an amazing promo, as always. Again, I will never do it justice if I try to repeat what John Moxley said, but essentially, um, we have him talking about how he is angry because he can't get the hearing out of his the, the sound out of his uh ears about the um the noise that it made when they shattered uh eddie kingston's ankle and, but then later on you hear i think i forget one of the commentators said something about his foot so i don't know small little continuity error but i pick up on that stuff because i'm weird 
But yeah, so we had him talking about that, talking about how he doesn't like to, um, he doesn't like to owe anyone anything. Again, knows he still owes the Young Bucks something. And then, God, it's like a great promo on Cesar Brunoni, too. Says, oh, what, what do you think about this guy? Like, oh, he's great. He's going to make you a lot of money, but he can't make you a lot of money if I'm going to kill him tonight. And um, essentially putting over Cesar Brunoni as this giant beast, which he is, but also at the same time um, being able to be John Moxley, great John Moxley himself. Again, he's not this overwhelming superhero baby face, but he, you know, he's just great at what he does in the ring and he's going to get it done. And so that's exactly what he did uh, in the match between him and Cesar Bononi. Uh, again, all prayers go out to Cesar Bononi and his family. I know he is going through a lot. I think his wife has leukemia, if I'm correct. Um, so all prayers to him and his family. Wish them the best. Um, and great to see him be able to be on Dynamite two weeks in a row here. Um, I think this match was could easily be compared to last week's squash match, essentially with Hangman Page, but it was it had a different dynamic in the idea that obviously you had Ryan Nemeth outside the ring to provide interference, so it kind of gave a little bit more of an up with Cesar Bononi. So this wasn't just a straight squash match. I think you could have chopped a minute off this match, but it was fun to watch, interesting overall, and again, John Moxley gets the win. Simple, easy paradigm shift. One, two, three. Um, doesn't take much more than that here. And uh, up next, we had MJF backstage with the Pinnacle to give them their gift. Um, so yeah, MJF introduces the Pinnacle and says that they have a new personal stylist. And he says that they also got them an interior de- decorator to spruce up the backstage lounge that they took from the inner circle. And then he starts talking about how they need to fix up the bathroom. But MJF opens the bathroom door to find none other than the inner circle all together standing arms crossed in the bathroom of the dressing room and then uh minus jake hager of course because when mjf says to the rest of the pinnacle oh we we gotta go open the door who's there jake hager throws the first punch and then we break out into an all-out brawl and um this was exciting uh i think a bunch of things to kind of uh dissect here and we'll go piece by piece but The things that were particularly done well, I think, is one, this idea I don't think works if they're traveling from show to show, from arena to arena. But it works when um, it works when they're stuck in this one arena. Right. And so, yeah, no, no crap. They have their own dressing rooms and want the nicest room because they're going to be there every week so that makes sense this whole thing doesn't work though and makes no sense if we're traveling every week because it's it's whatever the dressing room is different every week i i don't have to explain that to you guys you get that so i like that idea you're trying to make this fact that they're stuck in jacksonville every week it, it makes it a little bit more exciting it makes it look like there's a little world behind the scenes that we don't know or we do know but we only see a glimpse of um secondly done well some of the places that this brawl took place were a little bit different and i like that it wasn't just your typical backstage brawl um the parallels uh were also really well done i loved the fact that uh wardlow goes through a massage table like what's that about like i don't think i've ever seen that before that was really cool um and the table i was like amazed how wonderfully the table just broke it wasn't like a typically it didn't look contrived it looked organic if that makes sense and even though they force and force down our throats this oh this is why there's a camera here oh guys by the way this is why there's a camera here this is why there's a camera here like i get it we don't want the whole hidden camera segment thing like i, I, I get that 
it's a little bit much sometimes. Give me like weird flashback to that bad Young Bucks Don Callis thing um, at Kenny Omega's house. But nevertheless, uh, that stuff was good. You know, the parallel between Sammy Guevara smashing Sean Spears' head with the door versus him going through the chair. I like that. Though, that segment in particular, or that part of the sprawl in particular, uh, the editing, I don't know what it was. It was bad, guys. It was bad. Um, the the cut from one thing to the other was the thing that really threw me off. Like, there was this weird space in between. It just looked, again, pre-cut, pre-edited. And I understand, like, I mean, WWE, every single week, someone seems to get choke slammed or slammed behind the barricade on the concrete. But you know, you don't hear anyone going, like, slamming against the concrete, right? So you have a feeling that there's some kind of padding there because um, you're not slamming people on concrete and not showing us, at least. Same kind of thing, right? The camera obviously cut here, so Sammy Guevara doesn't need to slam Sean Spears' head between a door. And due to Sammy Guevara's previous work and some matches, I'm glad that they edited this so that didn't actually have to happen, of course. But it, it looked bad and it looked poorly edited and not well done. So minus for that, minus points for that part. But the rest of this brawl was exciting. The only thing I would say, guys, is, I mean, I don't know... Two big, you know, brawls, stable brawls. Like, I understand AEW is made up of stables. Um, but this was a little bit, uh, a little bit much. And, and I hate to pick on the Sammy Guevara thing as I, like, rewatch it or whatever. It's really only, like, a couple, like, maybe not even a second long of, like, a weird little delay. But as someone who watches this with a keen eye, right, as AEW encourages us to do with all these details, I pick up on that stuff. But yeah, so two sh- uh, one show with these two giant brawls, and then we have the main event to talk about too. I just didn't need that. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but it just wasn't, I didn't need, this would have been so great on a different show, even one week. Delay it one more week. Give us one more week of the pinnacle being the pinnacle. Um and annoying and great on the mic, but just awful heels. Like, and then give us this. Like, have us. I wanted the inner circle to return. I think I said it last week. I was excited about it. I want to want it. I want to really want it. And um, and I could have gone another week or two. I'm a patient fan. I think. Um, so, all in all, though, exciting brawl. I mean, I forget if it was Dax Hardwood or, or Cash Wheeler. Someone got as I say with the editing with the door then meanwhile I know Dax or Cash I think it was Dax got you know beaten bloody and we didn't even see it on camera they didn't catch it on camera but he had to get stitches apparently it was not pretty so with all the hidden camera you know editing stuff that I critique also these guys put their bodies on the line every week so I can't I can't say much about a small little thing like that but I just have to say it because it takes me out of the moment and that's my job to point stuff out like this on this podcast so all that being said good segment overall I like the idea I like the execution I think the timing wasn't great and the production is really where I'd like knock them not necessarily the actual wrestlers they did great um and then obviously uh Chris Jericho throws MJF, gives him a swirly, and then throws him into the vending machine. And then I really would have liked to see some kind of cut on MJF. He just went through glass, but whatever. I I understand. It's like enough blood on the show as it was. Um, And then throw him out of the dressing room, and that is that. And uh, next week, we're going to see, we'll talk about, obviously, as we preview, but we are going to see the inner circle 
and a follow-up. Um, so I'm excited for that. I just I probably just could have used another week or two before this uh, this came to pass. So next we have Alex Marvez backstage to interview the Young Bucks, and Don Callis comes in once again because I haven't seen this for the past couple weeks. Have you guys seen the Young Bucks getting interrupted by Don Callis for the past like five weeks? It feels like maybe it's not that long. It's just getting boring. The Young Bucks are not great actors. Um, long story go away. Again, Don Callis says you know just wants to talk to Matt. tells Matt, you know, you broke Kenny's heart, you make me sick, you left him a bloody mess, slaps him, and Matt Jackson officially, or essentially does nothing, and that's it, and that's the whole segment, and I don't want to talk about this anymore, because we're going to talk more about it later on the show. The only thing I will say is that, yes, Matt Jackson looked like a little bit of a wimp, not doing anything back to Don Callis, um, but at the same time, we get a, a... I don't want to say an explanation as to why he did not, but we get a follow-up later on in the show. So, essentially, the baby faces being the bigger people. I just don't always need to see... I think John Moxley is a great representation of a baby face that doesn't need to be a little wimpy baby face. You know, I think John Moxley would have hit him back. Uh, but, obviously, different people, different characters. And that was that. Um, so, next up, though, we had, you know, match of the night, trios match. Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers versus uh, Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. I think we previewed this last week. I said this was going to be amazing. This was amazing. I could try to recap this, guys, but I will probably have... I will probably do as good of a job as JR can do commentating on this stuff because it is so fast, so quick, so exciting to watch. Um, But I think the difference between this match and a lot of other matches, too, that sometimes get a rap for just being high spot matches were that... Uh, this was really constructed well, I thought. You know, there was a build-up to the high spots. Although, of course, in the beginning of the match, they start off with them. Uh, but the Luchadors, and and I think especially Ray Phoenix, but also I will not sleep on Penta and Laredo. Um, but I specifically am talking about Ray Phoenix in this because I think he does it better than anybody. First of all, everything, right? This guy can do things with his body that I've never seen another professional wrestler able to do. But number two... These guys make it so the big luchador moves and the high spot moves don't just look like high spots for high spots, right? I'm not just doing flippity-doos to do flippity-doos to look cool on camera, right? I'm doing flippity-doos and all this other tightrope walking stuff because it it is an impactful move. It's, it's helping. It is good offense. It's not just flippity-doos for flippity-doos sake. It is high-impact offense. And it's just done in a different style. It is making luchador uh, wrestling and these high spot moves look credible. And not just for flair and flash and one more time, guys. Flippity-doos. God, um, you know, a go-go and flippity-doos. Today has been a fun show, huh? Uh, Anyways, real quick to get through this match. uh, We've got uh, towards the end, again, like I said, a bunch of awesome high spots. I, I, I'm not going to be able to uh, do it credit by trying to recap this, and I'm not going to bore you guys for 10 minutes telling you about all the high spots when you can just go watch this if you didn't get to see it. But um, we had Laredo Kid springboarding off the top, uh, but Omega catches him with the powerbomb. Awesome counter. Um, hits him with a V-trigger, but Laredo Kid kicks out. Um, L- uh, Omega goes to the one-winged angel, but Laredo Kid hits him with an 
awesome uh, Tope Suicida. The guy like levitates or floats or like, in midair from. It's so amazing to watch these guys wrestle, and I can't say that enough. Um, later on, uh, Laredo Kid uh, gets Omega, spikes him with the Mishunoku driver. That's a tricky one for me still. Um, uh, but he uh, Kenny kicks out at two, and then Omega just avoids a splash off the top rope and hits the V-trigger and then hits uh, Laredo Kid with the one-winged angel and pins him for the one, two, three. And then uh, we get John Moxley coming down the ramp to the ring and you're kind of like, okay, John, you got one on four if you're including Don Callis here. But let's just say one on three here. What are you going to do, right? And it's, you're you're You're... I, don't, I was about to say stupid, but that's not the right I'm looking for. You're reckless and and crazy, but not that reckless and crazy. And you're smarter than that. Not going to be a brawl here, right? And then, of course, none other than Matt, Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks follow him. And then you get the face-off. Uh, they come into the ring, but of, thank God we didn't get another big brawl. And uh, obviously the Good Brothers and Omega flee. And you get the uh, the Young Bucks and John Moxley standing tall in the ring, leading us to our next week's match. Uh, our next week's match. Leading to a match next week between these six men. And wow, am I looking forward to that. I know you guys probably are too. Just going to be exciting. I hope, I hope, I hope we get to see this continue to play out. And uh and I don't know, guys. I don't know or, or if you're if you're wanting to see another Kenny Omega John Moxley championship match later on. Tell me what you think. I'm, I'm curious if you're ready for a new contender. If you're ready for a new top feud. I mean, I know Kenny Omega's got a feud with like everybody in the back, but um, it's like this big, just web of rivalries or people that hate him or like him or whatever. Like everybody has some kind of relationship with Kenny Omega. Um, but I'm excited to see uh, obviously what they do next week, and and I'd love to hear if you guys. I'm kind of sick of the whole, you know, elite thing and uh, John Moxley and Omega or if you're ready for another thing. You weren't satisfied with the noise at the end of the exploding barbed wire death match. Um, all right. Next, of course, in the quarter hour, we have to have the women because they can't be put anywhere else on the card. Just throwing that out there. Um, but we have Nyla Rose and the Bunny versus uh, Akarashita and Tay Conti. Uh, Ty Conti. I'm going to do that every time. You know why, guys? Because my fiance's name is Taylor. And so it's like I, I see Tay and I say Tay. Ty Conti. Bear with me. Um, I, great match for the women. I think great tag team match. Some of the work was really well done. It wasn't. It was all. At the very least, it was passable. And some of these moves were exceptional, especially Ty Conti. Of course, this was just a showing for her. Fun little spot with Akarashita and both her, you know, jumping off the top rope into the uh, into the whole melee that was going on with Matt Hardy and company. I'm not even going to talk about Matt Hardy on this podcast again, guys. I'm not. This is about the women, so I'm going to at least pay attention to the women here. Um, at the end of the match, though, we get Ty Conti avoids a clothesline by the bunny Hits her with the tie KO. She covers her, but Nyla Rose breaks up the pin. Uh, Karashita, like I said, launches off the back of Conti. This was a cool spot. Like, out of nowhere, Karashita launches off the back of Conti with a knee strike to Nyla. And then we get the cool uh, spot where Shida jumps outside on um, Private Party and the Butcher and the Blade. And then um, 
They catch her, hold her up, and then we have Ty Conti also jump onto them and wipe them all out. Um, then the bunny uh, hits Ty Conti with Sheeta's kendo stick while Vicky Guerrero manages to distract the referee. Uh, and then the bunny hits Ty Conti with the down the rabbit hole uh, and pins her for the one, two, three. I assume next week, I think they, they yes, they announced it. Ty Conti versus uh, the Bunny. And then I assume Ty Conti is the next challenger for Karashita's title. Do I think she's going to win the title? No. Do I think she is a great challenger? Absolutely. I think she's been a super awesome, uh, especially in these last two weeks, obviously. Um, good baby face. She's got a great look to her, obviously. She's a beautiful woman, but she's also just uh, got some some oomph in her like some excitement you can tell that she's getting a little bit of a push from back there and she knows it and she knows she's got to go out and perform well and she's she looks like she gets better every week so whatever you know uh great fun match to watch for the women i would love to see them be able to start the show maybe one time obviously this match did not warrant that but if we get a championship match on tv or maybe um maybe the bunny and taikante don't get put in the third hour that would be cool uh, that would be nice. And again, you guys are saying, why the third hour? Why is that such a bag, uh, big deal? If you guys don't know, that's usually when the ratings go down the most uh, in this show because people kind of get tired and bored or not necessarily the ratings going down the most, but this is your pee break part of the show if you're there live in person um, akin to, you know, the Divas match after uh, the Undertaker-Brock Lesnar match. I'm pulling from Matt's wrestling nostalgia this week. It's kind of the pee break part of the show, and this did not deserve to be the pee break. It is like the come down from one one match so we can, you know, get back up and go into the main event. And I just think, you know, you're you are setting, you are showing how uh, how much you view the importance of the women's division by continuously putting them in this slot every single week. I'm done ranting about it. Let's talk about the main event because it was arcade anarchy and was it anarchy or not guys this was such a fun match i want to preface all this before i talk about anything more with this does not make up for the terrible few that these four men have had uh no this was not this does not make up your long-term story uh, booking or whatever long-term storytelling long-term long-term story booking long-term storytelling i'm gonna get my words together i promise guys long-term storytelling can be bad it doesn't, not all long-term story booking is good. It's telling, God, Jesus. All right. Not all long-term storytelling can be good. Um, some of it is bad. Uh, and this is a perfect example of it. I, like, it was like eight, nine, seven weeks of this crap that just went back and forth. And finally, we got a payoff. But it was not worth all this. However, this was a fun match and a fun, lighthearted, nice way to end off the show. Um, there were a bunch of awesome spots in this match. Uh, Miro looks like a beast through a lot of it. I mean, you know, he gets is double teamed by Chuck and Orange Cassidy. But uh, after Kip Sabian is taken out with a whack-a-mole mallet, hilarious stuff. But uh, Miro's getting double teamed, but he still manages to... Uh, beat up the two of them because he's Miro. He's this giant guy. He doesn't use any of the gimmick stuff you see. He continues to use, like, weapons and stuff. Meanwhile, you have Chuck Taylor who pulls out freaking Legos later on in the match. So great. Um, I, I Again, if you guys have ever stepped on a Lego, I get flashbacks right now. 
Um, but yeah, Chuck Taylor gr- later on in the match grabs a plush teddy bear and rips it open, spilling out Legos so he can uh, hit a powerbomb to Kip Sabian on them. Awful stuff. Um, Orange Cassidy hits beach break on Kip Sabian for a near fall, uh, follows it up with the orange punch. Um, Cassidy tries to go for another uh, pin, but Penelope Ford pulls the ref out of the ring. And who but... Sue, in the minivan, can come to even the odds. Uh, you see Trent uh, coming out of the uh, coming out of the minivan, minivan, getting a kiss from his mother, of course, and then coming in three on one against Miro. Uh, Trent eventually sends him through a table on the outside. Uh, after Miro goes after Sue in the minivan, and that's really what sends Trent off. Uh, Miro. Uh, Yes, is taken out by Trent through the um, through the table, and then we get uh, Chuck Taylor grabs Kip Sabian and jumps off the stage with a running power slam through the stage below for the one two three. RK Anarchy lives up to the name, as Excalibur says. What a great way to end Dynamite, and you get the beautiful, cute little moment of the thumbs up uh, between Trent, Chuck Taylor, uh, Orange Cassidy, and. I don't know how I how, how did I forget this guys I'm sorry in the middle of the match I do I'm not even I'm, I want to go back here and make sure I mention this we get one of the best returns in like AEW history because the galaxy's greatest alien pops up from the prize crane machine and s- nails Penelope Ford with the uh, with the glass of it um it was awesome to see the return of Chris Stratlander. For our, uh, from it was like it's been months. I think I don't know how many. I think it's been five months, something like that, maybe less than that. Uh, but yeah, she uh, drops Ford off the apron and then sends her through an air hockey table. That was probably my favorite spot of the entire match. So, all in all, again, best friends get the victory. We are done and over with this feud. Miro can go on and start. Maybe he dominates Kip Sabian in a week or two and then moves on to the next thing. And I guarantee he will be a force to be reckoned with. Maybe they book him a little bit similar to Lance Archer-esque, if not better. Um, I mean, Miro looked great in this match. Again, I think everybody kind of won in this match, maybe besides Kip Sabian, who got powerbombed onto Legos. Oh, it's so bad. Um... Yeah, so overall, I love this match. Uh, great way, nice, warm-hearted, you know, happy way to send us off of the end of Dynamite. Doesn't always have to be some big brawl or sad thing or cliffhanger. Like, just a nice way to end Dynamite. And uh, I'm excited to tune in next week, and hopefully there will be no more Legos, because ah, I can't get that out of my head. I'm getting, I'm getting flashbacks of if you guys, like I said, have ever stepped on a Lego or gotten your elbow. I, I remember getting my elbow on one once. It's the worst. Um, so awesome match, awesome AEW overall. You heard I had a couple problems here and there, but for the most part, guys, this was an awesome episode of AEW and I will go back and watch some of these matches again because this was fun stuff. Just sports entertainment, pro wrestling at its best. Um, no wonder they kicked butt in the Wednesday Night Wars. And, you know, I think it is fair to say here on this podcast on April 1st, uh, Thursday, 2021, that AEW won the Wednesday Night Wars. And real quick, before we wrap this whole thing up, I do want to preview next week's AEW uh, for you guys. So it looks like, so far, uh, obviously, again, I'm recording this on Thursday. 
We've got the John Moxley and the Young Bucks versus Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers announced for next week. I did talk about that real quick, and I am super excited to see what these guys can do. Definitely going to be a different dynamic than the last two trios matches we had for the past two weeks, but should be fun, should be exhilarating, should be exciting, and I always have faith in what they are going to do when you put Omega and Moxley in a ring, let alone putting the Young Bucks and the Good Brothers in there as well. So should be all exciting, and, and I have no idea what they're going to do next with this feud. Like I said, I'm not sure if we're writing John Moxley off or if he's getting an idol, another title shot. I, I really don't know. Um, I think that whole barbed wire thing threw a wrench in the whole story, or maybe not. Maybe we, we don't know what was going to happen. So um, next thing that was announced was the tag match between Drastic Express and Bear Country. Um, a lot of people are high on Bear Country. I think I, I need more I need to be uh, one over more. I think I'm a little bit harder of a, of a critic. I, I just, they don't, the, based off the back, they don't do it for me. But it'll be nice to see Jurassic Express uh, next week as well. And I'm sure this match will be great. I have uh, high hopes. But good for, um, again, just another mid-card, lower mid-card feud to, to in the tag team division. Exciting stuff. Uh, we have the return of the inner circle next week. Uh, God, Santana and Ortiz looked awesome, uh, last night, guys, didn't they? I just forgot to mention that. Um, but yes, the OG inner circle, no MJF, no Wardlow. This will be fun to watch. I'm excited to hear, uh, obviously Jericho and everybody else on the mic. Um, and, uh, I want to hear if, if you guys are asking me to, I want to hear some comebacks from Jericho. I mean, he's been taking it with the hairline comments, the fat comments, all that stuff. Let's see Air, uh, Jericho rip MJF apart on the mic next week. Let's get a war of words before we get the war in the ring. Um, and eventually, I assume this leads to some kind of multi-man match, whether we get something akin to a war games, or maybe we get a blood and guts, or we get some crazy stipulation. I'm sure we will get there eventually, but we've got a lot of fun matches in between to build up to that. So looking forward to everything to do with this feud. We've got a title defense between Darby Allen and J.D. Drake. Um, I expect Darby Allen to be Darby Allen and put on a good match. You know, uh, I, I have a feeling this will be a lot of Darby Allen selling for J.D. Drake and uh, making him look as good as possible, trying to do what Cody Rhodes was doing. I just don't think it's working as well. Uh, and putting over all this talent but still keeping the title, I don't think we see a title change. I would be baffled if we do. But yeah, that should be, again, fun match. I don't have super high expectations, so hopefully they blow me away. We've got the Bunny versus Ty Conti next week, probably in the third hour. I promise I'm done with that, guys. But really, um, should be exciting uh, to see these women go at it. The Bunny looked great this week, so hopefully we see more um, and more improvement from Ty Conti. Again, as I said, we've been seeing week after week, so... Another match should be a, a good match. Um, I'm, I'm, I have high hopes, not necessarily high expecta expectations, but high hopes. And I hope we don't get any interference from Matt Hardy in the Dark Order and all these men outside the ring. I, I just let the women have their spotlight. Um, I understand, if, even if in a valet form, whatever, I just I, I give the women their spotlight. You want to build a women's division? Stop chucking all these men in there with them. Let the women shine. And let's see Ty Conti take the win and be the next challenger for uh, Sheeta's title. So that is all that is announced so far, guys. But I think I'm most looking forward to the Inner Circle return just because I miss Chris Jericho. I never thought I'd be saying that, but I miss Chris Jericho on AEW. So 
All right. With all that being said, guys, thank you so much. I will see you on the highs and lows show if you tune into that. And if not, I'll talk to you guys next week, obviously, next Thursday on our AEW Dynamite Review Show here on the unofficial WWE podcast. Don't forget to check us out on Patreon if you have not subscribed already. Totally ad-free. I know the ads are so annoying. I'm subscribed on Patreon, guys. Full disclosure, I like to hear um, the shows on this podcast, obviously besides myself, but we have a bunch of wonderful co-hosts here that do SmackDown, NXT reviews, that do um, Weekend Review, Raw Review, Rivalries, Nostalgia, Mailbag. I like to hear all that stuff without any ads so i'm subscribed uh, on on patreon so you guys should check that out as well and we've got a whole bunch of stuff coming up obviously with wrestlemania week nxt takeover a bunch of content um so stick around stick with us and thank you guys for listening and i will see you next time